listening to episode 80 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm Andrew. And I'm Eli. Welcome back to the show. We have another summer special here. You know, Andrew. Yes. My my wife's family is from central Washington, and there's a campsite that they like to uh, grew up frequenting. I don't know if they camped there, but they stopped by. It was called Soda Springs. Uh-huh. And my wife remembers vividly her mother and grandmother, you know, they'd go way up there in the woods, they'd get out, and they'd have bottles and stuff, and they would go get water from this soda spring. This like, spring was it, that was bubbly and soda-y. Ah, it wasn't like a freshwater spring. It was... N- no, it was not. It was a uh, mineral spring up there in central Washington. And huh. she remembers being told <laughs> that it was really good for her uh-huh. and and made to drink this stuff that made her gag well <laughs> she, so so when we moved to Pitigorsk in the in the mineral waters region we were like started re, she started reliving this over and over well i just bring that up because today we are going to have the pleasure of interviewing a local of the mineral waters region and to get the inside scoop the local take a deep dive on the mineral waters. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's gonna yeah. be, we, this has been a long time coming. We've needed to talk about this. So excited to finally. Yeah, we've wanted to, you know, jump in, get it, talk about the the curatology of of the place. But uh, but first, we got an <laughs> intro. That's right. That's right. You know, we have not talked about Habib in a while and uh, MMA oh. and wrestling, uh, Eli. But his next match is on the calendar. Um, That's right. October twenty fourth. Yeah, Justin. I think Gaithje is how you say his name, but it's a huge uh, no, match. Yeah. There are actually rumors swirling of Habib's retirement, possibly after a couple more matches. Um, will he retire? Retirement. Yeah. Will he retire undefeated? Who will his final fight be against? But uh, that means he'll be up for hire. We could like you know bring <laughs> him on. Maybe he'll finally have time to come on Caucus Talk. Yeah, we need some editing done. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll work on it. Yeah, get, get to work on that. Um, but hey, uh, so it's, uh, I'm going to date timestamp us here. It's late July. Um, That's right. We just last weekend, there was a slate of MMA UFC fights, and the next generation of North Caucasus guys are rising up as Habib is like kind of at the peak of his career, possibly towards the end. Yeah. And kind of, I mean, there's no telling which of these guys is going to kind of be the next top fighter in the MMA. But I just wanted to give a shout out to a couple of them because they're from different parts of the Caucasus. Um, That's right. First, of course, there's a Dagestani guy. And this is one of yep. probably seven or eight Dagestani guys who are fighting regularly right now in, in the American Ultimate Fighting Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's name is Askar Askarov. He's 13 and 0. He's undefeated. Uh, and he's a wow. he's a real uh, small guy. He's he's either lightweight or featherweight. I forget what his weight class is. Uh, <laughs> Let's not get back into all those weight yeah. classes. But uh, he he's really interesting. He actually has a hearing problem. He's partially deaf, and so he receives all instructions before the round starts, and then he just goes in, you know, swinging. <laughs> and there's no stopping him. Once yeah, he's but going. he's a Dagestani guy. Askar Askarov, thirteen and zero, won last weekend. Then there's an, uh, a right. guy from Ingushetia, Mofsar Yevloyev, also mm. 13-0. and 0, uh, And he's from wow. the small town of Sunja. It's close to the border with Chechnya. 
Uh, but yeah, another guy, I had not heard of him until I saw him kind of on the lineup last week. So props to uh, Sunja's finest, Mosar Yevloyev. And then this guy everybody is talking about right now. His name is Hamza Chemaev, and he is Chechen. I, I'm not sure if he's from Chechnya or a Chechen village in Dagestan, but he, his family moved to Sweden about uh, like eight to 10 years ago. And so he's fighting out of Sweden. But this guy okay. is an absolute beast. They say he's oh, a bigger version of Habib is what they say. Is he in the, the next weight class or is he the same? Uh, I'm not sure. He's either one class up or the same, probably one class okay. up. But I had to oh, stop man. both watching the highlights of his fights because he was pummeling these guys so bad. Like, And he oh. has Habib's style of where he, he's really strong with the grappling and wrestling. Yeah. Um, he actually he won two matches in eight days, this guy, which they never fight back to back like that. Yeah. So anyways, um, man, be on the lookout. We'll see who kind of comes out of the Caucasus next on the world scene. Well, that means I at least have one more chance to, (laughs) you know, go live record in some conspicuous venue showing the fight. And I'll be there with my papaha on my head and my recorder in hand (laughs) in October. You can count. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's not even to mention there are other guys like, uh, oh, Zabit. Zabit, yeah. Zabit, uh, Sharip Magomedov, he's a big name already. And then Islam Makhachev is another big name. So right. anyways, yeah, really cool. Um, well, hey, let's awesome. let's jump into the mineral waters. Um, let's do it. Eli, when you, when you said that about Soda Springs, I remembered in my little county I grew up in, Gaston County in North Carolina, I think it's safe to say there are a good number of little podunk little towns in the county. And one of them, said it, not me. one of them is called Mineral Springs. I just remember oh. that. Yeah, yeah. Andrew pilgrimage. I know, I know. It's like sister city. <laughs> I mean, this, this something could happen here. <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> uh, I, I've known this guy a while. Um, let's bring him on right now to Caucus Talk. Uh, welcoming Raman from Pitigorsk. Hey, hello, guys. Raman. Hi, guys. So glad to have you. Happy to Raman, be with you. Yeah, and Rahman, you actually know some of our podcast listeners, Matthew and Stephanie, who you toured. Beautiful. They're amazing. They're amazing people. Yeah. Yeah, Great. I'm like full of impressions about them. That's awesome. Well, all of our listeners are like that, just so you know. Amazing. Uh, They'll leave great impression on you. Um, Rahman, can I tell you uh, how I met your mother? I would be delighted to hear this story. This is how the best conversations start, you know, really, with some kind of line yes. like that. Andrew, so Ramon, <laughs> uh, a shovel. we moved here in 2015, and, uh, you know, of course, the first week you're in Russia, you have to get documents translated and notarized uh, into the Russian language. Well, one of my American friends here said, I know a good translator. Um, she'll take care of you. We had It was for, I think, getting our documents registered registered but that woman lo and behold i think was your mother uh nuna right yeah 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 <gasps> nuna yeah. is your mother yes <laughs> i know your mother I we love send your mother. all our foreign friends to, <laughs> to your mother thank you for being born by that <laughs> woman. she i'm sorry when you have to translate and you have to go to these offices and they just look at you like this is not possible on planet earth and things like that and then you can just go to nuna's apartment she's like yeah come back in like two hours and you go have lunch and she's done (gasps) 
Yeah, so anyways, uh, Rahman's mother, uh, she translates documents uh, from uh, English into Russian, and then she has her contacts in the city, the official notaries, who will always That's accept right. her translations. Shout um, out to Mama Nuna. <laughs> yes, definitely. This is for you. We appreciate you. <laughs> so, Roman, now, I, now I'm realizing I actually met your kids, bef- your mom and your kids before you, because they were often there. Nuna was babysitting <laughs> your kids when our documents were getting uh, translated. <laughs> she's a great grandma. She's an amazing grandma. Yeah. Oh, we That's can tell. awesome. Well, Roman, we're glad you're here on the show. Tell our listeners a little about yourself. Uh, where are you from? What are you doing now in life? Well, uh, I'm from Pyatigorsk. I live here all my life, all of my 42 years I live here. And now I work as a teacher, a teacher of English. Uh-huh. I, I graduated from the university and 20 years ago. And for 20 years, I've been working as a teacher. From time to time, I also work as a translator and guide. For me, it's more like, not like a job, but more like a hobby because people come, I treat them like guests, not like clients. Right. And uh, uh, some guys from uh, travel agencies, they come to me and say, you know, I, we would like you to work with them because people don't see you as a, as a, as a guide. They see you as just a <laughs> person who is showing them around. And it, it, <laughs> so it is flattering. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm yeah. not a professional <laughs> guide. Uh, right. I didn't study to be a guide, although I got some certificates, but uh, who needs paper? Everybody needs <laughs> heart. I appreciate that. That's great. And you've actually done some <laughs> you've done some guiding up Mount Elbrus, correct? With yeah. Some groups? Uh for 7 years uh, uh I've been working uh, more like a manager mm-hmm. and organizer and a second guide. So I'm not a professional uh-huh. mountain guide. And when I organize some tours, I prefer to hire some, some really tough guys who know things. They know the gotcha. details because like this, we are talking yes. about the risk to health, definitely, definitely. a risk to right. your life. And uh, this is a responsibility I don't, uh-huh. uh, well, I'm not ready to take. And people respect that, you know? I know, I know that nowadays, uh, since it has become very popular direction, climbing Elbrus, top of Europe, so on. Uh, there are lots of uh, unprofessional uh, guides. They call themselves guides. They've yeah. been there twice or three times, and now they're guides. Uh, and I'd like to warn everybody, uh, when we're talking about your health or your life, don't be cheap. <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, how much does your life cost? How much does your life cost? Uh, you, need to, right. yeah, you need to be reasonable about it. And there are lots of, lots of really great professionals and with them, yeah. it's pretty safe. Uh, you you return home. That's the most important thing. Return home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've learned this phrase uh, in our line of work uh, doing tourism that they often say on the mountain, um, the mountain will always be right. there if you don't make it to the summit, you know? Yeah. So make sure your safety is number one priority. Mm. Good stuff. Well, uh Ramon, we kind of hit on this a little bit in the intro, but uh, Piatigorsk and this uh, surrounding region is famous for sure within Russia for the local mineral waters. Uh, we've talked about this. We've joked about it some on the show, uh, but we really want to dive into this topic today, uh, the history of it, what it means to the local people, 
um, et cetera. So I would love, can you kind of give a, an overview to the region? Um, what makes the, the mineral waters region, Piatigorsky, Slavot, some of these other cities unique in Russia? Okay. Uh, I will uh, make it um, partly historical, partly cultural, mm-hmm. partly medical. Right. Okay. So, Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am not a professional, so uh, like I'm sure. saying things I know and uh, saying things that are interesting to me, not from books. Uh, we have four main resort cities or spa yeah, cities. I right. don't know how to call them correctly. Yeah, are, yeah. And they, each of them is specialized on a certain area. For example, we have Kislovodsk. It's, uh, uh, in the Soviet time, it was, uh, number one top cardiological oh. centers. So uh-huh. ha- all heart issues are solved there. And the main, uh, treatment, well, it's not like a treatment. The main remedy is walking. So you come yeah. to a doctor, the doctor looks at you, analyzes you, tests you, and the doctor prescribes you actually a certain route to take. For example, uh-huh. uh, uh, right. today you go route number one, uh-huh. at a certain distance, certain elevation, uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an exercise to your heart. Uh, after two or three days, uh, the doctor prescribes you something right. more difficult. So it becomes longer, it becomes higher. So your heart, your heart muscle works and you relax Uh because you are walking along beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your mind relaxes and your heart, yeah, works. So this is Kislovodsk. Mm. Uh We we got Mm -hmm. also Zheleznavodsk. Uh, All uh, issues connected with digestion and urinal what you call it Ur- correctly in English? Urinary. <laughs> yeah. Urinary. Urinary. Urinary tract. U- ur- ur- urinal thing and... <laughs> okay. No, no. That, it's funny, but it is serious because... It, it, You're right. Nowadays... Excuse me. No, 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 no. It's, it's great to make some fun of it. And uh, whatever you call yep. gynecology. That's gynec- correct. Is it correct? Yep. Yeah. That's also right. this. Yeah. Uh, so, so people, men and women who have problem in these areas, plus right. digestion. Wait, can I then just pause have you for a second? Key. It's another uh, I have a question about uh, that. So these, sure, sure, these sure, came sure. centers of cardiology, urology, gynecology, because of, did the Soviet Union put those doctors there? Or is it because of the natural surroundings that they felt was helpful to those issues? Yeah. Then, uh, okay, I will go a little bit back in time. Great. Historically. Uh, yes. to, to, uh, and then we come back to the present time. Uh, that, that's what we love on Cox Talk. We're always going back in time. <laughs> well, that, uh, uh, in the past, uh, Russia was expanding in the, before Soviet time, like 200 years ago. I don't know when. Yeah. Uh, well, I know, but it, well, long time ago, Russia was expanding. <laughs> And Caucasus, this area, even if you look at the map, uh, the, this area was always a very um, sweet piece of yeah. land. Strategically, yeah. military, economically, culturally, you name it. Uh, and everybody wanted to control this. Because, for example, mm-hmm. okay, if we talk about a path from Asia to Europe, Yep. Through through the whole Russia, through Siberia, through U- the Urals, it's a long way. But here you get to Europe from Asia really right. quick through 
pretty convenient. Uh, it, it's a convenient way. And this was here. We had a part of a sil- great silkway yes. from right. Asia to you. So gotcha. co- controlling this area was very important, not only for Russia, for other great countries of those times, because you yeah. want to influence. Uh, this uh, area, you need to control Caucasus. So Russia was expanding and we had uh, big military conflicts here, but the, the, coming closer to waters, uh, Russian soldiers noticed that uh, wounded soldiers, that when they wash their wounds in the waters, in this uh, like smelly, mm-hmm. called, let's call them smelly <laughs> water, the wounds <laughs> Well, come on, that's, let's be honest, they smell. Right. The wounds... Yeah, so far. <laughs> yeah, so, some people say they smell rotten eggs. I've never smelled real rotten eggs, but if they smell like this, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, 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 I actually, well, I don't admire the smell, but it's fine. Yeah. So the soldiers noticed that the wounds heal better. And they start, well, they started to... Uh, well, th- these rumors, these words about this water started to spread, and yeah. uh, the government of Russia started to send scientists, well, actually doctors, first doctors, just to describe, uh, because they couldn't uh, do proper chemical analysis maybe in those times, sure. or maybe science was right. not that advanced. So the idea was just to describe at first. And the doctors described, and uh, uh, they understood the value of this water. They sent more specialists, and they started to started to study, and they slowly established resorts. And when we talk about the specialization of these resorts, of course, first of all, it's about water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, but later on, special methods of treatment were developed. Because, for example, uh-huh. if we if we say 150 years ago, for example. Now we know there is water to drink, there is water to bathe. But in yeah. in the past, uh, people didn't know. So they were drinking the water they were not supposed to drink. Or, for example, they were drinking more than they were supposed to drink. Uh-huh. And it was like 50-50. 50% of people got better. 50% got worse. Oh, wow. just, just just because they didn't know how to use it correctly. And that's fine. Yeah. Later on, they studied, they developed the correct methods, and now we know. But, well, I say now we know, but we still now, scientists still now uh, research this area. Right. They discover some new, uh, some new features of this water. Because, for example, when I say, uh, let's say, Zhelyznavodsk is focused on digestion system. This is the main yeah. area, but there are other like u- urinology, gynecology, and there are other smaller, less prominent areas. Of course, uh-huh. digestion is number one. Mm-hmm. That's like, gotcha. like, and in the Soviet time, if we look back in the- one of my one of my life mottos, by the way, digestion is number one. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Andrew was always the, saying in the that. Soviet time. Uh, people, <laughs> digestion, yeah. <laughs> Keeping, like, the, the right. treatment is pretty simple. Uh, diet, uh, uh, 
diet, yes. uh, nutrition, yeah, special yeah. Uh, yeah. drinking water and relaxing. Uh, but water yeah. is used not only for drinking or bathing. Uh-huh. Uh, you also, they use it to flush uh, people. Um, Hygiene? What call it? Uh, like mm, kind of the cleanse. The, like yeah. uh, they, they like, uh, what you call it? This rubber uh, instrument you p- with water you use to uh, through the... Uh, yeah, it's like a deep, deep kind of <laughs> an enema. Cleans you out your an system. Enema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. System, <laughs> uh, you could say. yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. From different ways. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the how word. to say so My English Russian, is not so that advanced, especially medical English. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's great that you don't know, and I wish you never to know this. <laughs> don't <laughs> I wish you will never have it but I will tell you oh. uh, I will tell you oh. I tried it once I tried it once <laughs> 10 liters oh. of water 10 liters and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. well not at once because I would I would explode uh, uh, ten li- no no <laughs> no I mean <laughs> yeah so and I really I, I really felt better good I'm, I'm glad for you Come on. <laughs> wow. I really felt better. <laughs> this was in Zelensk? No, 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 no. We he, we have here in Piatigorsk as well. Uh, uh, oh, man. We have. Wow. And, or, for example, for example, they use this water for uh, massage. Uh, like, they they massage you right. with high pressure, like a car wash. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they use, there are lots of nowadays there are lots of different ways of using the water or Vapor. another thing you can inhale the fume the like the steam vapor yeah that you 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 can inhale you can flush your dental uh, your uh-huh. mouth for example if you have some dental problems uh, so nowadays we got lots of applications for that oh, okay. for this water uh but historically, it was uh, not an easy way because the the studying of this water was pretty slow and problematic because there was war here. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, war for uh, you know Russia. Uh, well, this expansion is always a painful process. Take any uh-huh. yeah, like it's normal. Take any country, any historical period, any country which was expanding. It's a painful process. And, of yeah. course, it was a painful process yeah. here. And, of course, there are now, even still nowadays, people who, looking back, they uh, criticize or they uh, they say that it was not fair. Well, maybe. Maybe looking f- from today, looking back, maybe. Yeah. But in those times, perhaps it was reasonable. And... Uh, uh, so we, we have more than four towns in the mineral water area, but our four okay. towns are like really spa cities, spa towns. Yeah. Yeah. The rest are like mineral, mineral vody. It's just an airport. It's just yeah. a town yeah. with an airport. They have one clinic, one very good clinic for people with spine problems, problems with joints, bones. And they also based on the mineral water. So, uh, what what you call this medically? 
the the system that you, you uh, helps it your you like to move system. your bones, your your skeletal. That's probably yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those who have problems with, like, for example, I have uh-huh. I have big problems with spine, and I had some very interesting medical medical treatment when they in the well with mineral water, oh, well yeah. full of mineral water. They hang you by the neck, and with your own yeah, with your own weight, you Ooh. you hang there and like that your spine so stretches. Good. I honestly would try that. Wow. Just I would. Try yeah, that. it's that a bit scary. Like, <gasps> like even when I say it, it's scary. They hang you by the neck, <laughs> and uh, I was a bit scared. But after the first session, I really felt that my spine is more relaxed, and uh, yeah, I felt wow. I felt much better. But no, I'm, I'm sure I'm it's glad good. to hear that. <laughs> Some people say, "Hey, this is Russian Russian medicine. Come on!" But <laughs> hanging you by the neck, this is Russian medicine. Yeah. Okay. I no, know it sounds scary. I But it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. I I, I was happy wow. that I did it. So it, Raman. It sounds like I mean. From the time that the region was first kind of researched by Russian doctors for the benefits of the waters until now, it really was this long process over time where they figured out which waters you should drink for what, which waters you should bathe in. At what point did Russians start traveling here regularly? Uh, Did the word kind of get out across the country? You need to go to Pitygorsk and Kislovodsk for the benefit of the waters. Was this like... Late 19th century, early 20th century? Well, uh, I think they started to do it more or less, well, more or less regularly, somewhere in the middle of the 19th century. But first of all, they were uh, military officers. And, the um, you know, the, the military in those times were the intellectual and cultural elite. Uh-huh. Okay. They they were like really uh, noble people, well educated, uh, and they started. They noticed, they understood, and they started to travel. But in those times, it was not hundred percent safe. In the end uh-huh. of the nineteenth century, it became fine, no problem. People started to come, but the infrastructure was pretty poor. So uh, the, the towns started to really develop in the Soviet time. First of all, because in the Soviet time, we had very limited opportunities to travel around the world. So we could mostly uh, spend our, well, spend our vacation, spend our uh, time in the country. And uh, I'm not sure if people would be happy to travel to Siberia for their vacation. Well, maybe... (laughs) (laughs) Or to the far north. And the Caucasus, right. it's a nice place, great climate, uh, wonderful nature, and people were happy to come here. And, and they, Ramon, they, don't, isn't it true that in the Soviet era, the different like um, professions were assigned kind of resort cities that they had to go for a month or were allowed to or something? Well, yeah. We had a, a very strong trade union system. Ah, and uh, and and uh, it was free. Your treatment here, your staying here was free. 
initially, uh-huh. the doctors developed a system of treatment which was 21 day. 21 day, you come mm-hmm. here for 21 day, you drink water, you relax, you uh, get better, and so on. Nowadays, uh, usually people have their vacations two weeks plus two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like we have half months and half, and the doctors right. changed changed this the system into two weeks. Okay. And later on, they even changed it into ten days system. Okay. Because, for example, you have vacation, you have holidays for two weeks, but you need to you, you need a day to come, you need a day to acclim- for acclimatization. Right. So, sure, ten days. Uh, I am not sure the effect will be the same as 21 day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Like I'm not a doctor, but some doubt. I have some doubts. I think the effect should be weaker. But uh, it's right. not because it's not because it's cheaper. It's just because uh, there is no way, no other way. Nobody can come. We just we don't have 21 day vacations. We have only two sure. weeks plus two weeks. That's why they changed it a little bit. But in the yeah. Soviet time, in the Soviet time, uh, practically at every factory, well, not practically, at every factory in the country, there was like a trade union uh, office, let's call it an office. Mm-hmm. And the, the, yeah. the, the, the tickets to this uh, sanatorium, to the spa hotels, they were distributed freely all over the country. And people oh. had the chance to come here for free. And that wow. was great. That was amazing. The system was perfect. It was working. Because like, mm. like you can imagine, if you live somewhere in Vladivostok, it's uh, like near Japan, and it's practically impossible. Yeah. You need to be really rich guy sure. to, to come. Yeah, like nowadays, it's not so easy. If you have money, it's easy. But if you have money, maybe you would choose something else. Just because mm-hmm. the infrastructure, I want to criticize just a little bit, the infrastructure is still not up to standard, I would say. What would you yeah. like to see changed? What, what, Do you mean yeah, in the sanatoriums like or what specifically? First of all, in the sanatoriums. Uh, yeah, like because they were built in the Soviet time. And nowadays it's, well, they are not re- renovating them adequately uh-huh. because sure. methods of treatment are changing right. uh, progress is moving but lots of things are still the same and the second thing which particularly touches like my heart we do not have any entertainment for people well what we have we have cafes we have cafes because like okay i am, I, I will explain in the past who would come here people with health problems so they come sure. here, they come here not for fun. They come here sure. for specific right. reason for treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nowadays, nowadays in, I think they must change something because uh, people uh, of the next, ge- like older generation, they are still coming because of the habit. When they were sure. young, they were right. coming yeah. here, they are still coming here. But to attract new generation, young people, even our, like my generation, you need something else. You need something else apart from mineral water. You need, right. Like, so, right. Yeah. yeah. So do you think the local tourism board sees that as a need? Do you see development happening? Or do you see it, the, the cities just 
remaining kind of with their old identity as Kurortni kind of spa destinations? Uh, like, uh, since I live here and I don't leave this area, I stay here, I don't see lots of changes. But uh, I got friends who come here, like the last time they came here seven years ago. And they came and they said, wow, uh-huh. lots of things has, have changed. Uh, I just okay. don't notice it because I am here. Sure. Interesting. The, the, cafe, right. the cafes became uh, more modern. Like, uh, but still, the entertainment is a weak, uh, weak point of the area. Hmm. There's a couple of points to hit on here. So you mentioned uh, middle of the 19th century is when really the Russian aristocracy started coming to the Caucasus. Uh, are there any books in uh, kind of classics in Russian literature that talk about that that period of time that mention specifically Piatigorsk, Kislovodsk, um, that you can kind of get a feel for what it was like? Well, yeah, uh, we have some... You know, in in the past, I will tell you, Caucasus was called Southern Siberia. What? Southern, really? I will tell you, uh, in the in those times, Siberia was a place of exile. All, <laughs> yeah, like, you can imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah, all yeah, sure. di- disobedient people were sent to Siberia, and in the Caucasus, yeah. we had war. So all uh-huh. military, all military people who were like disobedient or who were causing troubles, they were sent here. And you also can imagine, like, uh, like I mentioned, officers was the, were the most noble, uh, noble group of the society in those times. And when they were disobedient because they were rebellious, they were, uh, like democratic people, liberal people, not just obedient sheep. Right. right. And they were shame. talented. And they were talented. Most of them were poets. They were writing poems or drawing or painting like something. And we have, huh. or like most of our, uh, like fathers of our Russian literature, they were here, like Pushkin, Tolstoy. Right. Sure. They were here. But of course, number one guy here, uh, whose name is so closely connected with the area that uh, hard to imagine uh, who can beat him, was Lermontov. Lermontov. Yes. Yeah. He wrote lots of masterpieces about Caucasus, connected with Caucasus. And you know, I had one, uh, one issue uh, with Lermontov, and I will tell you quickly about uh, I was a young guy, and uh, uh-huh. I was offered a job with some American tourists. I was told to meet this group uh, in the airport, bring them here to Piatigorsk, uh, show them around, well, some excursions. Well, I thought, okay, Americans, people who don't know the area, I can tell them some stories, and they will eat it. Okay. <laughs> I met the guys, some, like, <laughs> well, yeah, like, if you don't know anything, you will eat everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought. Right. Yeah. I met guys, good-looking, middle-aged men, uh, in the airport. And while we were driving, it's about like twenty-five minutes drive. I started telling them normal, traditional texts we usually tell to tourists. After yeah. f- after ten or five minutes, they said, "Okay, stop, please. 
We we understand that you know nothing. Oh. You are absolutely <laughs> ignorant. We will tell you what we need and your job will be just to take us to the places we ask. What? And it turned wow. out it turned out that those American guys were scientists who study Lermontov. They were particularly specializing wow. in him. And when I started so they know like things, I don't know who else would know this. And they, <laughs> sure. they showed me around. They told me like some amazing stories, but it was 25. <laughs> oh, that is funny. <laughs> they like, they, they say, okay, you, you say this building is uh, connected with it. No, 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 no. And they started to take out some yellow copies of some yellow paper documents 200 years ago. And they oh uh, look, and I was so, first of all, I was shocked and embarrassed. <laughs> Because they sure. told me like I know nothing. Wow. But later on I forget about I forgot about my embarrassment and I was like I opened my ears and I was I was like listening to every word they were saying. They uh -huh. were showing me around and they like tell me, Of course you've read Lermontov, you've read that book. And I look at them, yeah, 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 really, I read that book. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Sure, right. I see <laughs> so of course you read they say, Of course you read it. And they look at me with their open scientific eyes that's okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> believe it <laughs> and and they Just told me, me about it yeah they told me lots of things i would never find in books and i was because for example oh. lermontov died here on a duel he was killed yeah that's right and yeah. they took yeah. out uh interrogations of the uh what you call these people at the duel who are like assisting like, um, you would um, call them like the second. So you, uh, someone would have a second, and that's yeah, sort yeah. of just like their mm. their support person, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, dueling was illegal. So all these uh -huh. seconds were interrogated, and all their um, words were well documented. And they came with the copies of those documents, and they told me like things I would never know from books, oh. and I was. That was great because wow. like, I would never expect it from foreigners because, well, uh, who would know Russian literature? If you, right. if you take any yeah. average foreigner, well, maybe Dostoevsky, maybe Pushkin or Tolstoy, but that's it. The, the same with us. Uh, we don't yeah. know. We don't know really lots of American or French. Well, we know some, but not all of them. And so I was I surprised. A yeah, sure. Was, was Lermontov's duel... Did it happen on Mashuk where the monument is, or is that no, all just... No, 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 no. Monument, no, it's just a it's, monument. Monument, it's a, a very convenient place for tourists. Yes, yes, he, yes, yes. These guys, these guys found place and showed it to me. And you know what? These seconds, these assistants at the duel, they were talented people, and they sketched the landscape. Huh. They, they, and they took oh, out wow. the copies of these... 200, oh, 150 years old sketches. And they looked oh at the sketch and they looked at the landscape and they matched. They take the drawing wow. and they look at the mountain and they match this, like, mm, the line, this, like, almost matched. And they say, yeah, that's the place. You see so the old road? You yeah. could go write your own book with the new <laughs> information <laughs> well, that you nowadays, nowadays, it's an open secret. Nowadays, people know. Uh -huh. But in, yeah. in those, like, I didn't know. I did, maybe only those who are really deep into this topic 
maybe they knew. But it must have been so shocking just to find out that. Yeah, yeah, because know. I know that's the monument. That's where he was killed. No, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, it 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 turned the world in 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 my head. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, wow. they told me interesting stories about the reasons of the duel, different versions, because we stick to official version. And they told me, yes. yeah, well, we have official version, mm-hmm. but there are other stories. And they told me other stories. And that was interesting, really. And after they told some things, uh, I stopped looking at historical this historical person as an icon, you know, like a great Russian poet. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. he he was not. Right. He was not a very nice guy. He was not a right. very. What, I've heard that pleasant person to communicate, and he was not like I was told when he was a child. His grandma brought him here because he was weak, and she brought him here for this uh, healing mineral waters. He was actually. A real officer, a real combat uh, officer. He took part mm-hmm. in in battles. He was not yeah. just a weak guy yeah. who who uh, who was coming here. He was pretty well, not like rich, but he had money. Uh-huh. But he was no, yeah. he was not just resting here. He was fighting here, and that mm. that was interesting. You know, when you know when you learn some things. You, yeah. you, you thought you knew, but it turned out that right. you didn't. Well, was, I think a lot of societies, I mean, probably all societies are built in some degree on mythologies about our forebears. You know, I, I think that's sort of n- normal, not necessarily defendable, but um, we can we can point to a lot of heavy examples of that. I think happening in our own society in the U.S. right now of reexamining history and things that have been taken for granted. But a light example is a friend of mine who, you know, started to watch YouTube videos on his favorite actors and kind of like that. He's like, "Wait a minute, these guys are jerks! Like, I don't like them at all." <laughs> and it sort of ruined the movies for him because you know yeah. wow. you knew more about the actor. It's like, oh, maybe I'll just leave. Leave it alone and go with the uh, the pretty version that I've that I've heard. Well, you know, of course, you're right. We idealize some things. I will tell you one story which was also very interesting to me, connected to the Caucasus, uh, uh-huh. uh, Second World War. Caucasus were also under mm, very close. It was a very interesting for German uh, for Germans. It was a very interesting area. And uh, uh, before the war, uh, German climbers, German alpinists were coming here in the 30s. They were uh, walking in the mountains and they were even working as instructors, climbing instructors. So when the war, when the war started, they came here, they knew everything here already. Uh And there are, yeah. And there are stories, very interesting stories. For example, uh, a Russian, a group of Russian soldiers, was moving along the mountains for some, for like, say, for several days. And they were like resting in, in some place. And from behind the stone, somebody called the officer from this group at night. So the officer went behind the stone and they saw a German officer with whom he trained together before the war, with whom he climbed wow. together before the war. And the German officer said, you know, 
we are watching after your, we are looking at your group for several days. We could kill you long time ago, but I saw you and we were, we were on, on the same rope together. We were like hanging together on the rope and um, wow. we could, I could kill you, but I know <laughs> you. So let's do this. You go this way. I go that way. We didn't see each other. Wow. So fascinating. And, yeah. Like to me, uh, as uh, being a Russian person, all these war, war issues are pretty black and white. Yeah. They are bad. We are good. So my grandfather was at war. But there are sometimes these stories which yeah, show like, yeah, not everything was black and white. Yeah. That's, I think that's pretty common to human experience. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and during the war, our, uh, these sanatorium, these spa hotel sanatoriums, they were used as hospitals first by Soviet troops. Then when Germans came, Germans used them as hospitals. And when they, when they left, we again started to use it as hospitals. So when Germans came here, they understood, they knew the, the qualities of the area of the water. And they knew how to use it. Also, they also had doctors, and they were using it as well. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, Roman, uh, I know today throughout the region, kind of, really, this business has been made out of the mineral waters of drinking the waters. Mm -hmm. So there are like these springs everywhere throughout this region, Kislovodsk, Zelenovodsk, Pitygorsk, where you can go drink the waters. Of course, they're bottled now and sold all over the region. Um, yeah. Would you say, like, is it pretty normal for people in the Caucasus to drink mineral water? Uh, and even, like, those who live here, like like yourself and your friends, are you guys doing that regularly, or is it more people who are visiting here from other parts of the country for treatment? Well, you know, uh, to me... Uh, more important, the taste of water. There are some uh, some uh, springs which I like, but I don't mean I like the qualities of it. I like the taste. For example, when we go to the mountains, we see some mineral water spring. We come and drink, but not regularly. Like which ones? Um, yeah. For example, uh, do you know the one near War Memorial with the tank and with the cannon? No, I don't know. Uh, an old church. Um, where where is this at? Uh, the old church, the old cemetery, near near the cable road. If you ah in Pitygorsk, yes, in yeah. Pitygorsk. When we go, it really it's not strong, it's not sulfur, it's nice and pleasant, and we drink it ah. just because we like it, not yeah. for Imagine. not for its not for its qualities. Hmm. Yeah, and and I, for example, I come there in the morning before work and i see people with plastic bottles uh they uh, they say well we drink it during the day we sit in the office and we just drink this water but it's does not it have good a number does the does the it has a number, number? It, it, i think it's 17 but i i am not 100 percent sure okay. i think it's 17 but you shouldn't do it it's not correct because this water is prescribed by doctors actually and the wow. do doctors tell you for example this water you need to drink before breakfast, 30 minutes before breakfast. And then you go have breakfast, you, you do some treatment. Before right. lunch, you go and drink this water. And oh. within, within a certain period of time, you can't just drink it like, 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 like really water. <laughs> right. 
Huh. Uh, it, I think it will not wow. really harm you, but well, would you take right. medicine just because you like the taste of medicine? I don't think so. Right. The same is like with this. <laughs> yeah, never a good idea. Right. I'm, and since that's the case, I'm not sure I've ever drank mineral water at the right time. If that's the case, <laughs> ooh, Andrew, we gotta <laughs> definitely talk to you about that. Never had it. Never had it prescribed. Um, wow. So uh, one thing I've noticed, Ramon, is throughout the region, um, there are uh, several kind of famous areas with lots of springs that people go and drink the water. There's also several places uh, where, of course, there's factories and mineral water is produced there. In Ingushetia, Chechnya, mm-hmm. uh, the big ones are Kabardino Bokoring, Karachachirkesia. Uh, I'm thinking of. Um, do you know Dalina Narzana, of the course, Valley of Springs, of course, of on the course. way to Jilisu? Yes, of There's course. There's like 15 or 17 springs there that people drink. Do you do you know much about? I'm interested a little, kind of in the science. I mean, essentially, is this water just bubbling up from under the earth? Eli, you probably can speak to this some too. Yeah, it's just How coming from works. the ground. It comes from the ground. You mean why it bubbles up, Andrew? Yeah, like how that happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure you know more than I do, Roman. I mean, I know in general there are artesian wells where the water itself is carbonated. And that, I don't know exactly how it happens. I assume that it leaches carbon into and then it gets super saturated and then it comes out. And there's also pressure. And then some of them, I mean, groundwater has flow to it. So you can look at groundwater maps and, uh, you know, see which direction it's flowing because it has an incline or there's a pressure gradient. And so I assume that if somewhere there's a hole sticking out, you know, there's pressure down there. And so it comes out and it doesn't come out every hole, but I mean, that's, (laughs) that's my version of science right there. You, you You are absolutely right. (laughs) <laughs> it's just a natural pressure. But for example, if you walk around Piatigorsk, you would see some old places, stone places where there used to be water. Right. Now there is no. And so, I was, uh, I, I didn't know. I thought maybe the water is gone. Uh, well, you know, nothing lasts forever. But some, some, some people explained to me, like in the past, you had mineral water galleries, big places where you come, all, all people who live in these sanatoriums, they come mm-hmm. every morning and drink before breakfast. Later on, these sanatoriums started to drill their own wells and put electric pumps just f- to make it more comfortable, more convenient for people not to go. You are in your, in your center. But because they started to use these electric pumps, the natural pressure fell, like, became lower. Yeah, you, like, you know, you make more holes, the pressure is sure. gone. exactly. Yeah. The water, oh. they say the water is still there. The process of, uh, um, uh, how, to, how, how do you make it? How do you call it? Mineralizing water, this yeah, process sure. keeps yeah. going. Mm. Uh, the, yeah, the rains fall, the water gets into the ground. It, is, uh, it takes... Uh, uh, I, I don't want to lie to you, but I think it takes several years to saturate the water mm-hmm. with all the necessary ingredients. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know how long it will take. But it takes, so the, the circulation goes on. So, uh, 
maybe some of ah. these some of these mineral water springs disappear just because the natural pressure is gone. Sure. And sure. W- w- since you mentioned Jilusu, we have some very interesting areas. Uh, for example, in Karachayeva, Cherkessia, there is an area called Sour Springs. Kislye. Uh, uh-huh. uh, it's, uh, it's a small field, like, well, not a field, like small area with lots of different mineral water. And they were described, this, they were studied and described by Germans, by the way. And they described, uh-huh. this is for your eyes. This is for your digestion. This is for mm-hmm. your like ears. For your eyes, for example, I was wow. surprised. Uh, the, 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 the water is bubbling from the ground and uh-huh. there is half of plastic bottle, half of it cut. And you put this plastic bottle, you put this half on this bubbling water and you put your eye to the hole in the plastic, like where the cap is. Do, and do, then do, the, wow. the vapor comes out. Yeah, you put your eye, oh. and this vapor like does something to your eye. And the same is with breathing, for for your vocal cords or whatever, or your lungs. I don't know. Like you put this plastic bottle, half of the plastic bottle, and you breathe. You don't drink it. Uh, very interesting. Oh, interesting. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I know mm-hmm. that. I'm sorry, I keep cutting you yeah, off. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. No, no, no. So, I mean, I know that, like, when you go to some of these drinking galleries, the different chemical content of the various springs or sources have been tested and are posted there. Same in um, Kislovotsk, you know, of in course, the drinking gallery. Of course. And it says what's there. So, I assume that there's been research trying to correlate the the mineral content with the health benefits I guess my question is, is there a, a sense or a belief or a conviction that there is something more to the water than just the mineral content, you know, that science can't measure? Well, since science can measure, we can only speculate about it. For example, ah. I, uh, for example uh, we have some places in the Caucasus not connected uh, directly to mineral water. But yes. they, people say, for example, I know the place, it's called Ulutau, uh, yes. ma- Mother Mountain, whatever, something like Mother mm-hmm. Mountain. It's a place where women who can't get pregnant go, yep. like they go there, stay there, and then it's, it's, then they get pregnant. Right. How, how to describe it? How to believe in it? How to explain it? I don't know. But since sure. since people talk about it, since it uh, like uh, mm, pilgrimage, there is a pilgrimage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps if you really believe, it helps. Like if if somebody who doesn't believe <laughs> go there, like right. placebo effect. Maybe this works. But the most important, it works. <laughs> hmm. And if we talk about the spiritual part of the story, lots of people say that this is the place, this, uh, some mountains, some areas here, places of power or strength. Yeah. How to explain it, how to measure it. 
I don't know. But there are some, sometimes there are some unexpected things which uh, happen and nobody can. For example, I know a man, personally know a man, who was diagnosed, he took part in uh, uh, Afghanistan war in the Soviet time. Uh-huh. You, you, mm-hmm. you know about, yeah, you know about those times. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was diagnosed the last stage of cancer. So this is the last. The hospital will not take you. The hospital will tell you, sure. hey, go home. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And he decided to go to Jilisu and to become a caretaker of this um, uh, nature resort. And he stayed there. Uh-huh. Just he, st- he, he stayed there to die. I believe he stayed there sure. just to meet his aunt in the beautiful place. I think so. Sure. When he came, well, after he lived there for, there for some time, he came back, it was gone. Nothing was there. There was nothing wow. in there. So, And I know yeah. him personally. I've seen him. We talked. I know his story, not from him. Right. Sure. And there, there are medical proof to that because there were medical um, yep. data, medical analysis before and after. Wow. Perhaps it was on the mental level. Like, you know, uh you relax and uh, the pain is gone and the 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 the, uh, the tumors disappear just because they were programmed i don't know but i yeah. know that there are some things we cannot measure from the scientific point of view well honestly yeah. roman i personally find that um a, a very realistic approach to take you know i think that mm-hmm. there i think obviously you know, scientific discoveries have transformed our lives, but sometimes we treat science like a religion in a sense that it becomes dogmatic. And if something goes against, you know, our current knowledge of science, we reject it without thought. And of that course. becomes its own kind of ignorance. Um, so I think there's something very healthy and, and good for scientists, for anyone, you know, to appreciate that there's so much unknown and to be humble about it, you know, and realize that we have. We have a lot to learn, so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the more I meet, and it, it's particularly nowadays interesting. You mentioned historical thing, processes that happen that are mm-hmm. happening in the United States and in the world. Historically, what was true yesterday is uh, a lie today, or because the history right, right. is written by victors. Sure, and that's normal. Yeah. That's normal. Like. Uh, this story about Lermontov and about the Caucasus War. Mm-hmm. We look at it now in from our cozy kitchens, drinking coffee, <laughs> right. and that's okay. <laughs> we curse yeah. people of two hundred years ago. We say they were they were villains, mm-hmm. but from their point of view, they were not, and that's normal. And if we talk about science, for example. Uh, like not history, but like a science because history mm-hmm. is more like religion to me. Uh, <laughs> they try, <laughs> not like history. He, uh, uh, we take a fact and we interpret it the way we want. Sure. Yeah. That, that's, but like he's like a science, you, uh, study something and when you come across like the mineral water. You study the chemical content of the water and you know the functions of the body. But And you say, this water is this. But tomorrow, 
science will make a step, uh, new step. You will study mm -hmm. our body deeper and you will study mm -hmm. the chemical mm, ingredients deeper. And all these true of yesterday will become nothing. <laughs> they, they, it will become yeah. some nonsense. And that's normal mm. if we accept yeah. that it is true, not, uh, not like final truth, but it is true for now. Everything, everything starts, everything becomes logical. It's true for now. Yeah. But with, yeah. with the, yeah. with the, with medicine, you know, they don't want, uh, sometimes they don't want to, They don't, they don't, they are not willing to be open to new discoveries because they are afraid to make mistakes. And I can mm, understand interesting. it. I can understand if you are a doctor and you have a reliable way and innovative way. 99% of doctors would, would go for reliable. Sure. <laughs> that's, right. that's okay. Yeah. They don't want to risk because it's not just risking, uh, it's risking somebody's lives. And mm -hmm. I, I can understand it, but this 1% who will go for innovation, well, we would, we need to focus on them. And that's sure. why, by the way, we have, we still have these biological studies. Perhaps sometimes I think they are not as fast uh, stud studying, studying the, the effect of these waters, the effect of medicinal mud. We also have this medicinal, the, like curing uh -huh. mud and, yes. and it's effective. Uh, yeah. The study of radiation, because some waters here are radioactive. Uh, well, some, for example, we have near, in Piatigorsk, near the lifts, we have uh, mm, like, mm, like a clinic called uh -huh. Rad, Radon Clinic. Radon, it's a ah. uh, uh, radioactive element or some radioactive yeah, com yeah, sure, component. Radon, sure. So, and it's, yeah. The water is saturated with it. So we keep oh studying, we keep studying the effects of them. Huh. Even now, even now, like uh, lots of things are described. We can just drink it, bathe in it. We can uh, rub, rub it uh, over our bodies. But, and the content is changing, by the way. Hmm. Yes. Ramon, I think we, I think we found a, a new, your next, uh, Vocation for the next 20 years from teacher to innovative scientist. <laughs> Sound passionate what you, about what it. What do you think? I am passionate yeah. about it. I am really passionate about it. We probably, yeah. we probably have to ask a few more questions uh, sure. to wrap up. I, one I wanted to ask just briefly when you, when Russians hear the words Pitygorsk, Kislovodsk, what do you think they think of today? And what are their immediate associations with these cities today? Well, uh, Literate Russians would associate it with culture, oh. with poets. <laughs> like, right. like they say it's oh. a place where Lermontov was killed. Yeah. Lo lots of Russians, speaking of Caucasus, of course, uh, uh, of course would think of some, well, negative, neg they uh -huh. would have some negative sure. associations. Not about Piatigorsk or Kislovodsk. For, for people who live in Siberia, 600, 6,000 kilometers away. We are here. They don't, they don't draw like Kabardinians, Chechens, Dagestan. It's sure. the same for them. The same, like for us, yeah. people who live in Novosibirsk or Krasnoyarsk, they are the same because they are <laughs> over there. They are, uh, over the Urals. 
over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, you know, I was surprised when I was reading Fenimore Cooper about the different Indian tribes. Uh-huh. Like, to me, they were redskins with feathers. Okay. Because, like, because of the pop culture, because of the Westerns. Sure. But then you start reading, you understand, no, 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 no. There are different tribes, there are different cultures, and when you deep into it, you und- it's normal. Like, they see us as, uh, like, Highlanders with daggers. <laughs> and yeah. that, that's pop culture. Yeah. Mass media makes us like this. Right. You started you with mass media, me? and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. We actually have a good number of listeners within the Russian Federation to our podcast. You're a Russian. You grew up here in the North Caucasus. Uh, what would you tell the rest of Russia about this region? What do you want them to know about it? Well, uh, I would tell the younger generation, trust your parents. Your parents were not afraid to come. You should not be afraid huh. to come. Uh, in the Soviet, yeah. well, uh, Caucasus is a very hospitable uh, I, I always, you know, it's a, a mix. I sometimes mix hospitable and hostile you know these two words <laughs> hospitable yep like yes. uh, yes. Caucasus yes. is a very hospitable area we always treat our guests as part of the family yes yeah like we yeah. are open we are open uh but it doesn't mean that you can behave like you do at your home the fact ah. that we invite you doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to do like you do in your home. You right. come, like, we, we, we expect people to, we welcome people and we expect them to respect us. Sure. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, As you should. Uh, yeah, it's normal. It's reasonable. Yes. Uh, yeah, we have opportunities to show lots of beautiful places, lots of interesting stories to say. Uh, if we talk about nature, the mountains, uh, the rivers, they are just amazing. I honestly, I don't believe in God. I'm not a religious person. But when I go to the mountains uh-huh. and I look around and I know like the scientific, like tectonic plates meet and the like, when I look at all this, I say, come on, that wow. masterpieces, this, this beauty, of course, it's possible that's just a nature trick. But there must be some super supernatural thing yeah. behind it because it is so beautiful that it's impossible that it's just a trick of nature. Sure, man. Yeah. Wow. But I'm not ready to become a believer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We'll just, we got to get you up there to Ulu Tau and experience the magic of uh, the yeah, pregnancy the, the rock. the power, the energy. Maybe you'll believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm open. Yeah, of course. Do you, cool. Ramon, maybe we can, uh, maybe we can, we need to re start rebranding the North Caucasus as a uh, Southern Siberia again to the rest of Russia. <laughs> and maybe that will do the trick to get them to start coming. Well, you know, yeah. uh, unfortunately, it, it, it's a big pain in my heart. Unfortunately, we here follow pretty old traditions. We are pretty rigid, conservative. If we talk about yeah. tourism, we are not really willing to develop new, new 
tourist directions and trends because people still come. Why would we need to? We become ah, because I see what you're because because nature gave us so much, and people right. are coming. We it's like you know you are lying under the tree and an orange falls into your hand. You don't need to cultivate this land. The orange is ah, still in your hand. That's right. the, that's the story with us. We become a bit lazy because we've got everything here. Interesting. And I I feel sorry a little bit about it because you need to put. A, a lot of effort to make our mountains really attractive to yeah. to vast majority of people, not only from yeah. Russia but also from the world. I know foreign people who come to climb Elbrus, mountain climbers, alpinists, because Elbrus is a significant mountain. It's the highest peak of Europe. I understand it, but apart sure. from it, uh, I think. Most people prefer to stay in the Alps or in the in some other mountains. Yeah, yeah. just well, you mentioned it that the infrastructure needs to be kept up or and improved. Of course, and of course. If that doesn't happen, then the place will kind of fade into the background. Yeah, and sure. I am not a businessman, and I am not a very clever person. I just see it mm-hmm. with my eyes. You don't need to be genius to understand it. Sure, like, right. It's not nanotechnology. It's easy. You, right. you can see that. Like, for example, I don't like to go to Elbrus in August because the snow melts and you see lots of rubbish. In uh, June, it's beautiful. Yeah. Everything is covered with snow. You don't see it. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, if you compare even Moscow and St. Petersburg with the Caucasus, there obviously is, is just so much more money invested in those cities, the infrastructure, even the, obviously the quality of accommodations, the roads. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. And it's been developed, it's been developed extremely rapidly nonstop since the fall of the Soviet union, you know, whereas it's been different here in the Caucasus, there hasn't been that level of money invested. Um, the infrastructure obviously is a, is a different question. There were wars here through the early 2000s, which really Mm -hmm. slowed development down as well. Um, So I do think things are moving in the right direction, but you're right. There's, they have a long ways to go. So hopefully we can be a part of uh, bringing change there. Yeah. I would really, I would really like to invite people because like you are here, you see that it's, it's pretty safe. And it, if you, if you do things with, uh, if, if you plan your trip, for example, reasonably, it can be not very expensive and yeah. interesting. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's possible to organize a great adventure with reasonable money and pretty safe. Yeah. I totally agreed. And I think that's a good way to, to wrap it up. It's safe. The people are, are hospitable. You can have a great adventure. And uh, we usually ask our listeners or our guests to, what would you tell the rest of the world? Uh, What one thing would you tell the rest of the world about the Caucasus? But I like how you spoke to our Russian listeners. (laughs) Listen to your parents. Come to the Caucasus. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, Ramon, this was great. Thanks so much. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. I learned a ton. Yeah, we need to, uh, if you were here right now, we're doing this virtually, of course, because of COVID, but we'd clink our glasses of mineral water and toast, <laughs> toast to of the course. Maybe, 
maybe holding our noses, but we would do it, you know, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Keeping <laughs> social distance from the screens. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Ramon, I, I want to affirm you are clearly passionate about your place and you have such roots there and stories to tell. Keep keep going. You know, I encourage you to take those informal guiding opportunities because um, we've talk, talked with a lot of people and you have a very infectious, uh, contagious kind of uh, energy, which every place needs, you know, it needs its, its people who, who are champions for that place. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I would be happy to participate in any project because I am burning with desire to tell people about the land. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, we've got next ideas time. up our sleeves. Yeah, or next time uh, urinary tract infections come up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make sure to give you a call. The other right. you, know, you know, a quick thing. They say uh, you drink this water and it helps you to have more children. Okay. I don't know. I drank only twice and I got two kids. Maybe it works. Whoa. <laughs> maybe. Two two. Just maybe. Like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm it works. Not going to drink that water. Uh, oh, come on. Come on. We'll, we'll hit pause. Cool. Well, thank right. you again. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Listeners, please um, interact uh, on our Facebook page if you have anything to add or more questions. They, uh, we can all keep the conversation going on Facebook. Um, and, of course, there's our website for direct comments to us, which is caucustalk.com. And again, don't forget, if you want to support what we're doing and extend the reach of our podcast, uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash caucus talk. Andrew, any parting shots? Hey, glasses up of mineral water. Glasses up. You got to yeah. yeah. experience it. Cheers, well, guys. And cheers, and we will plan Thanks to so see, much, see you listeners when you get here. Thanks so much, Ramon.